welcome. I'm Randall Broad, and this is C-Sessions. My guest is the esteemed Erica Hansen-Brown. She runs a program called Paltown, and it started as Colon Town. And to start with a little bit of a backstory, I want to tell you how I met Erica. I was invited to go back east to Washington, D.C. to Joe Biden's cancer moonshot program a couple of years ago. And I had met a colorectal cancer patient at a previous program that I had attended in San Francisco. When I was going back there, she lived in Washington, D.C., and she invited me to stay there with her while I was going to this program. Well, lo and behold, she introduced me to Erica Hansen-Brown, and we have been friends ever since. Erica has an absolutely amazing story to share. She is a colorectal cancer patient herself, but she has been NED for about 18 years now, if I remember right. Erica, why don't you jump in here and give us a little bit of your background, starting with when you were diagnosed, or maybe even a little before you were diagnosed. Will do, Randy. Thank you very much for the invitation to join you in this wonderful little program. I'm Erica Hanson-Brown. 18 years ago on Women's Equality Day, I was given a diagnosis of advanced colon cancer. I had surgery and then that was followed up with six months of savage chemo, which was the standard of care for the time. I finished my chemo in 2003 and started to feel better and started looking around for more information about the disease and the caregivers, the providers. I basically became an aspiring scientist at that point because I was very determined that I wouldn't get caught short again. If I had a recurrence, I was going to at least know who the best docs were and who I could turn too, but I discovered, and I'm going to launch into what I did, Randy, because it is the real story that people want to hear on this program. And that is, I realized that there was a huge niche in the marketplace for cancer communities, patient cancer communities. And particularly, there was one necessary for my own disease, which was colorectal cancer. And that was because you couldn't find any at the time. Is that correct? Exactly. I looked around. Uh, I think you know that my background is being a professional network builder anyway, because I have a background in corporate headhunting. So I was used to that. So I looked around for the network and there was no network and there was no real way for me to find other survivors and patients to find out at the very least how they had survived that long, because that's what I was looking for was my own survival. Right. And is that what started you to incubate Colon Town? Yeah, what happened? It was really fun. I started meeting a few people doing, a few other survivors and patients doing things. And I started talking about how there was a need for a, for a colorectal cancer community and that one day I was going to start one. I didn't really think for a second that I actually would do it, but I finally did it one day based on the fact that, uh, and this was about maybe six or seven years into my recovery, finally, that I saw an email from a young woman who described herself as an RN and a stage four colon cancer patient. And she only had one wish, and that was to defeat her disease so that she could watch her girls grow up and get married. But she ended that email with, isn't there anyone in Colorado for me to talk to? And I remember seeing that and thinking, Cynthia, 
I'm going to start a community for you and for me. And I started my work then in developing Colon Town. I speak from experience on that as well. I was diagnosed, as you know, 12 years ago, and it took me about five years before I started actually getting really active in the patient communication community. There's so many new things that you're learning and trying to deal with, et cetera, et cetera, at the time that starting this endeavor, there's a lot to it, as you well know. Oh, yes. There's a lot to it. A lot came out during all of that time. I realized that we patients weren't respected by the industry and the cancer community at large. It was almost insulting. I remember saying to somebody, you know, I can help you guys thinking my network building, right? Right. And, And also the fact that I worked in the branding industry, in the big time branding industry. And I could really help some of these organizations that were fledgling at the time. And I remember one little person responding to my offer with, oh, no, you really can't. You're just a patient. Right. And I was insulted by that, of course, and I still have the chip on my shoulder about that particular event. But what that revealed to me is really interesting, and that is we patients need to take charge of our own activism and our our own lives like that. I mean, I knew I was right. I could have helped that organization. And so I remember thinking to myself, you watch, I'm going to show you, and I have. And that showing her has been In the industry, you hear the words these days, it's been only a couple of years, I think, that it's been professed is patient engagement or patient experience. I still don't know really what that means. I hear it from time to time coming out of people in the industry. I haven't experienced it. Have you? Are you seeing anything along those lines that it is changing where they are being, quote unquote, more patient centric? Well, first of all, patient-centric is a marketing buzzword that industry is using to describe what they theoretically are doing with their drug development. And the real people that can make it patient-centric are the patients. I agree. Ourselves. That's where patient activism and empowered patients come into play. And that is in raising our hand and saying, hey, guys, we can help you. It's way more than a marketing term, as you and I both know. Absolutely. And might I go back to your term, engaged patients? Absolutely. I have a perfect example of a community of engaged patients. Our engagement in Colontown, the community, is off the charts. Our patients take on their lives in Colontown as a way of life, believe it or not. It's online, but it also is in person in local groups. People become friends for life. We really embody that term, patient engagement, which is, of course, the holy grail from the industry standpoint. They want to know about our patients who are engaging and learning from one another. And thank you very much. Also living our lives longer because of that patient engagement. That's a very positive term. Give us a little bit of an example of Colon Town, quote, unquote, day of the life of... A day in the life of Colon Town, how to say that. As the founder, my whole life has been focused on the conversations going on in Colon Town. First of all, Colon Town is not just one group. It is actually a compilation of about 140 separate private groups. Wow. We started out as secret groups. They're not linked but they're linked psychically, if you will, under the umbrella name of Colon Town. They divide out by the column neighborhoods, and but the neighborhoods are really about topics relating to color, the experience of having colorectal cancer. And by the way, colorectal cancer is either colon or rectal cancer, two 
different treatments and two different groups. So example, for the colon group, and this is the one I belong to, it's called the poop shoot group. <laughs> we laugh a lot in colon time. And the name for the rectal cancer group is Rectalberg. Oh. All of our names are funny, starting with colon town, and that's designed to make people laugh and smile say, if you can't and laugh remember. At it, yeah. Yeah, we have nothing but humor. But a day in the life is people checking in on their fellow colon townies. It's responding to questions. It's also volunteering to maybe sit on a panel, a patient panel that is requested. I mean, it could be anything, but I can I can assure you that once you have colorectal cancer, to be involved in colon town can really effectively really enhance your life and maybe even make it longer. I'm sure you have lots and lots of stories of individual patients. Is there one that stands out? Yeah, there are actually two. One is a fellow in Switzerland who was smart enough to be able to design his own treatment and convince his oncologist that he should take the treatment that he had designed. Mm. He's, that's a spectacular example. There's another example of a fellow who unhooked himself from chemo one day and the next day climbed the Grand Teton with one eye because one of his eyes wasn't working right. Wow. Now, I don't know if you know how tall that Grand Teton is, but I think it's a 14er. He summited it. Unfortunately, I have to tell you, we've lost both of these activist patients. Mm. And that makes me very, very sad. They have irrevocably changed my life from knowing them. I know that feeling all too well. I've certainly experienced it in the lung cancer community. The friend that I met that introduced me to you, as you know, we lost her last year as well. And yes. she was just a deer. It never gets easier. It just never gets easier. No. Talk a little bit about the disease itself, people taking it into their own hands. What, what changes have you seen? I will tell you that with great excitement, Randy, because when I was diagnosed, it was like the olden days mm. of colorectal cancer treatment. There was just one treatment and I took it. It was barbaric and horrible. There were a couple of new newer treatments in trials and I wasn't offered a trial and I didn't really ask for a trial. Did you even know what a trial was back then? I did. Oh, I absolutely okay. did. I actually did consider, but my doc recommended against it. And had I taken that particular trial, I would be crippled today. That's another story for another time. Okay. I'm really lucky that I had the treatment that I did have. I do want you to know there have been enormous changes in the treatment and options for colorectal cancer patients. First of all, we have the onset of immunotherapies. I know so many patients who were dying and, and they qualified by their genetic structure to be able to accept a, an immunotherapy and they're alive and, and participating in life today. So much excitement. There are increased diagnostic and post-treatment. There's increased surveillance. There's a product out there from Natera called the Signatera test, which it tests for the micro metastases that might be starting to grow post-treatment. And it can actually determine whether or not you're actually progressing before it can be seen on x-ray or in, even in the blood yet. It is a blood test. It's what I was looking for when I was in the surveillance mode post-treatment. I had nothing like this. It mm. was scans only, just as you've experienced. Right. And had I been able to take a blood test like this that might have told me 
way before anything else that my disease was progressing, I would have been all over it like a cheap suit. And our patients are doing that today. So there's so much, there's the dawning of patient activism that is happening. I think it's been in the last couple of weeks, CDC or the NIH, somebody came out and said that they're moving the colon Screening age screening down age to 45. From 50 to 45. Yes, thank you. Because thank so many you. people younger are getting diagnosed with the disease. Yes, they are. In fact, when I first started Colon Town, I remarked that really my population was made up of 30-year-olds. I was the old lady in the whole group. Mm. The rate is increasing at an alarming rate in young people. The early onset cause is something that we're all very interested in. We would like to see the screening age drop down to 40. We're lucky to have gotten it down to 45 at this at this right. stage, but increasingly the docs are not telling their young patients to go away because they're too young. Not anymore, not right. with the re- alarming rates that are happening. So that's been uncovered in the years since I was diagnosed as well. On the subject of patient activism, which you are so eloquent in positioning, you have another program that has been spawned called Paltown. What happened to us in Colon Town, everybody noticed right from almost day three, people said, isn't there a Colon Town for breast cancer? Isn't there a Colon Town for all the other tumor types, all the other types of cancers? And it was quite flattering to us. Somebody said to me early in in the early days, you know, you ought to take this concept of the smaller groups where people can find their people or their experience in other people. You ought to take this concept to the CDC. They need to know about this. I knew that there was really a need out there that was being expressed. And that is for this design of a community or a town to be offered to the rest of the cancer world. We needed to create the leadership and the management of Colon Town and get that stabilized and running itself. Right. So we've done that. I, at first, as, a, as the founder of Colon Town, called myself the mayor of Colon Town. I used that as a joke at first, but it started to take on its own seriousness. Mm-hmm. And now we have an active mayor that we are actually paying, not much, but the little that we can, and a group of, of patient volunteers that we're also paying a stipend to manage otherwise unmanageable group of groups, 140 private groups in Facebook, each one with its own conversation and need for moderation and issues coming up, as you might imagine. Have you elevated to governor or to president? Well, this is, here comes in the story of Paltown. I started Colon Town, not as a Colorado corporation, with no intention at the onset of starting my own charity organization to support it. I started as an experiment, honestly. Four years ago, it became obvious that a partner came along who wanted to help build this thing. I told her my idea, or a prospective partner came along. I told her my idea that this concept needed to be taken to other cancers. And she signed on, and we created the Paltown Development Foundation. That is our charity foundation. And that in turn supports the program called Colon Town. Got it. Which is, remember, run by the patients themselves. How did you come up with the word PAL? What does that stand for? So the big strategy, the big idea going through this whole development of the unique community of patients is that we are patient-led and patient-initiated and patient-managed and patient-everything 
And PAL stands for Patient Action League. Oh, I like Put it. that together with the concept of town. Got it. Which is our un- unique concept. No, it's, it's, you should be commended. Quite a vision. And not only that, but great execution that you're following oh, through thank on. Thank you. We need more of this. I do most of my work one-on-one. I get contacted either in email or through a text or call from somebody that knows somebody or somebody that gets diagnosed. I never say no to anybody. It doesn't matter what type of cancer because you have to listen and you have to hear where they're at and see if you can provide some kind of direction. Because a lot of times people that are newly diagnosed, the first time they hear the words, you have cancer, they're deers in the headlights. It's only because I lived as long as I have that I learned a lot of these depths along the way, just the same way as you, I'm sure. Exactly. Where do I go, Doc? Who do I talk to? That's that's why I started Colon Town. I wanted Colon Town, so I started it for myself. And I I know that all the other cancer types feel the same way. That diagnostic day is a a stunner of a day for every cancer patient. Uh, It sure is. Yeah. They won't forget it. That's a, that's, a, that's a moment in time that is forever etched in your forehead. Where are you taking this now? You've established Paltown. Have you got any other cancer types that are underneath that moniker right now? Well, we're still in the process of defining ourselves in the marketplace. The first thing is for people to understand that Paltown is actually the parent right. of Colon Town. I am working on a couple of stealth projects that are community projects that I've been working on all summer that target a very specific cancer experience in both cases. One, I will tell you, is targeting, it's targeting you and me. It's targeting the recovered cancer patient. Again, that group is in, or community is in stealth mode. I'm looking at the the needs as they come to me. I really operate very opportunistically. Mm -hmm. My job as the CEO and chief engager for Paltown is to find as much support for the general concept of the cause that I embody, which is patient empowerment. I will go to the ends of the earth to help patients find their own empowerment. And sometimes I do it through creating a community like Colon Town, or maybe I do it in another way, but it's always about the grand cause of supporting patients' empowerment. I would call you a hole filler. You see a hole that's been dug and you fill it as you see fit. It's a great way to run your world. It's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes sense. And uh, so when people come and ask me for my help, I listen to them about what they think is necessary. And then I try to help mold the project, if you will, according to their needs and what I hear from other patients about what their needs are. Right. That can be a town. That can be a club. But it's a thing that I help mold there. And that's what Paltown is all about, is supporting patient innovation and patient empowerment, however that translates, Randy, and where it makes sense. I'm a pretty good hole finder. I think you're right about that. Why reinvent the wheel? I'm not about doing that. I'm about plugging those holes. As a hole plugger, how do people get a hold of you, Erica? Oh, I'm real easy to find. My phone number is actually on the Colentown map. Okay. I'm looking at it as we speak. You can find it online at okay. colentown.org. Okay. Also, I am on LinkedIn as Erica Hansen Brown. I'm on Facebook as Erica Hansen Brown. My email is ebrown at paltown.org. And it's also 
founding mayor at colontown.org. First things first, go to colontown.org and take a look at what's there. Then go to paltown.org and take a look at what's there. All right. And just reach out. I'm easy to find. I found you. (laughs) I know you did. Anyway, and it's been a great thing. Erica Hansen-Brown, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story, being here today. We wish you absolutely nothing but the best and success moving forward with your programs. Thank you so much, Randy, for the opportunity. That wraps us up for today. 